really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, good evening, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the podcast that offers news, analysis, great interviews, and let's face it, a bit of silliness sprinkled in there as well. Who am I? Well, I'm David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game all over the globe. I support my New England Free Jacks, my USA Eagles, and as you know, there are several international teams I root for as well. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, by all means, please do. I am at of Scrum. I'm at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. And, you know, I've, I've finally decided to stop being an ancient relic and start paying attention to my Instagram account. So I can be found all one word, the Scrum of the Earth there as well. So here on the podcast, we do have a weekly format, and it is thus. We start with current updates. That's just what's happening with me personally at the moment, just because. Uh, we look at news from all over the world of Rugby Union. We go to thoughts of the week. That's what's interesting or annoying this week. Again, if something's bugging you, this could easily become your segment. Please get in touch and let me know. Then, of course, we do our reviews and previews of recent and future action, in between which I will give out my Diamond in the Ruck award for my player of the week. All that being said, let's jump right in. So, current updates. And as you may know, I just began taking my little baby steps towards my new teaching career, and I got my start as a sub this this very past week. Um, not going to lie, it was not easy. But then again, most things that are worth doing are not. So again, wish me luck. We will work hard, we will work well, and we will work together. And then the news, and uh, this isn't hot off the presses or anything, but while the entire MLR calendar is still in flux, my Freejacks, they have announced their plans to have the home opener for next year coincide with St. Paddy's Day weekend, which is, you know, if you're Irish, it is a vastly overblown version of the actual holiday. Uh, but if you're a Bostonian, uh, you, you wear your green, you skip work, you drink terrible beer with green food coloring in it, uh, everyone gets sick everywhere, it is magical. So we've got a, a pretty amazingly questionable event on the calendar. I might, I don't know, I, I think I might wear a tarp, like I'm going to a, a Gallagher show or something. And of course, I do not mean the Prem. Okay, thoughts of the week. And this is going to be a little different. So this week, I actually have a special segment prepared ahead of time. So I alluded to this recently, but at, at that point when I mentioned it, I had planned to make this a bonus episode, but, you know, however, uh, I didn't end up finding all that much to say. And so as the rugby is for me a little light this week, uh, I decided to include it here instead. The topic is going to be Barbarians FC. And while half my listeners probably know all about it, I'm guessing many American listeners do not. Uh, I sure didn't. So uh, therefore, What I'm going to do, instead of doing this segment right now, I'm going to move this segment to the end of the episode. It'll be the last thing before the uh, the credits, so to speak, so that if you already know the deal, when you hear me start to talk about the barbarians, you can just go, oh, okay, and you can fast forward to the end, uh, and the rest of you can keep on listening. Uh, By the way, uh, if you could fast forward instead of just closing, I don't know if that helps it appear that it's a completed listen or not. I honestly don't know how any of this stuff works, but... 
you know, now that I'm over a thousand, I'm suddenly, <laughs> suddenly stupidly conscious of these things. Okay, that of course brings us to reviews and previews. And as always, we will start with the reviews. So I was on my own this uh, this weekend with my son, which was honestly, it was honestly a ton of fun. Um, he's 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 just such a good kid. We were laughing so hard at the breakfast table. He literally he's five, and at one point he said, "I can't stop." laughing so hard, which is one of the, the the best phrases I think I've ever heard in my entire life directed towards me. So naturally, however, this did mean a lot less rugby watching for me. Uh, so a lot of this coverage will be, you know, comparatively light, at least for me. But in any event, let's get to it. So we'll start with the Scottish Super Six. So today I learned the Watsonians head coach is named Fergus Pringle which I just find completely delightful. Fergus Pringle. I'm not going to do the accent, but believe me, with the Scottish accent, it's so much better. Fergus Pringle. Oh, man. <laughs> so I also learned uh, another new thing. Uh, they will not be going straight to the final. They actually do the other two Friday and Saturday matches for the final placements three through six. So, you know, last week I, I failed to mention the Watsonians uh, played at home versus Sterling County, which meant my Bormir Bears would be playing Harriet's Rugby on Saturday. However, this this was a weird weekend. So they, they showed the Friday match, caught that for the most part. Um, and then on the, the Scottish website, it lists the Saturday match for the Bears. Uh, but it's not on YouTube. It's not on their their, their official channel. But then... The Sunday match, the actual final, there it was. I thought maybe it was just a glitch, like it was taking a minute to up, update. It didn't. Um, only the Friday night game became available. The Sunday night game, or the, the Sunday game was there, but I have not watched it because, as I said, I didn't get to watch everything I wanted to this weekend. It's a final, and I am saving it. However, in any event, on Friday, Watsonians did hold on for the win, despite not scoring at all in the second half. The final score was 21-19. Just held on there. Good effort, Sterling. And to both sides, you know, thanks for a great year to all six of these teams. Thanks for a great year. We'll find out what the, happens with the final. Um, nobody, uh, nobebody listening to me has asked me about it, so I don't think you're too disappointed I'm not covering the final yet. And uh, I definitely reserve the right to save it for myself. Okay, moving on to the NPC. So I caught a limited amount of the fixtures this week, but as always, you know, there was just some great up-tempo, super attacking rugby just being played all weekend. Such a fun lead to watch. It's awesome. Uh, in any event, um, first match of the weekend, Otago looked fairly in control from the very beginning, ended up winning 24 to 13 away at Northland. Uh, they looked in control, as did Hawks Bay, who went on to... <laughs> smash Canterbury, frankly. Again, though, a super high-scoring game. Canterbury scored 26 to Hawks Bay 45. Uh, there was almost twice the total scoring in, in that latter match. It's kind of interesting. So I was a little bit sad to see one of my favorite free jacks, Bowden Waka, losing to his old side, though he personally had a great game, I thought. And you can tell, these guys are all close. It, there were no sad faces come full time. Absolute back-and-forth thriller. Uh, if it had gone another 20, who knows? In the end, Waikato at home lost. Ugh, sorry, Bowden. Sorry. Sorry about that. 
They did lose to your old side, Taranaki, who scored 33. Then Manawatu only managed 16 at home against Wellington, 36. Wellington did not look like they were interested in, you know, anyone sneaking up on them right now. And it's funny, uh, the last two games I've been like, oh, the, these guys are the, the tops. They're, they seem like the most in charge. The eye test for the last couple of weeks has been incredible, but I went and double-checked, and sure enough, I was way off. They dropped four on the bounce to start the year, so it's only been these two. So I guess, you know, the ship, as they say, may have been righted. Okay, the URC. People are calling it the IRC. Uh, I, I get the temptation, but I do want to call it at least the URC. The, the full name still seems awkward, but... Um, my notes took a little bit of a different format this time, so I might be winging it. Uh, I think it'll be fine, but let's see how it goes. Uh, the beginning of the URC's round four featured Ulster at home versus the Lions. Ulster, of course, won 26-10. Ulster continue to look strong. They're quietly and methodically dominating their opposition this year. Uh, Dragons were at home and lost to Stormers. Stormers get their first win of the year and are looking to gain some momentum. See last week's pod for my little South African predictions. By the way, the, the thing I did differently here is I'm adding their records too. So Americans aren't used to the point-based table system. Um, so I'm including outright records at this point because the, the points will matter more later in the year. Ulster have not lost this year. They are 4-0. Lions have only won once. They're 1-3. Dragons are one and three as well. Stormers are now one, one and two. The next game was, of course, Zebre, who haven't won and again lost six to seventeen to Glasgow. Glasgow fairly strong at three and one. Uh, Glasgow will be happy for this win. They don't seem to be fully, fully clicking on offense at this point, to me at least. Um, Benetton, Rainbow Cup champs, were at home and lost to Ospreys by three just at the end there. Um, Benetton's two and two. Ospreys are a nice, surprising three and one. The Welsh Shield is already tilting mightily towards them. They boast an inverse record to the other three clubs who look kind of bad at, at one and three for every single one of them. Uh, Edinburgh did go on to beat the Bulls, but they're a mere, you know, one, one and two. The Bulls are two and two now. Um, the South African table, although it's only round four, looks much like I said it would with the Curry Cup champion Bulls leading the way, though I mean two and two, you know. It this feels like NFL talk when people it's it's week three and people are like, oh, it's over. Um leading the way at this point means playing 500, I said. Nevertheless, it, I feel like the early signs are pointing towards a side that might be quite formidable late in the season. I think that's true. Of course, Munster are like, uh all y'all are chumps while Ulster's all, uh, we don't even have all our weapons. And meanwhile, Leinster's like, uh, are there actually other teams in this country? Speaking of which, Leinster <laughs> dropped 50 on Scarlet's at home. Scarlet's managed 15 points. Good for them. Another smashing win for the Irish Blue as I've started randomly calling them. Cardiff also won. Uh, it was 23 to 17 over the Sharks. Cardiff is now 2-2, two and two, the Sharks are 1-3. Uh, as I mentioned, Leinster have not lost. They're 4-0, and the Scarlets are 1-3. And, and then Munster. Ugh. You know, I was hoping Connacht would rebound from their loss last week, but Munster, they're just always a major hurdle, especially when they're at home. It was a, it was a tight but a low-scoring affair in the first half. Munster were only leading by, by a single point at the break, and only because they <laughs> scored super late. In the 65th minute, they were still up 13 to 11. A misconversion was all that separated them. And then, once again, much like the end of the first half, 
it was a late, late try that put Munster up. 20 to 18 was the final. You know, this was a missed opportunity for the, the boys from, from Galway. The, the winning Munster score came with only minutes to spare, and this is only week four, but, you know, it's hard to to see a path back into contention for Connacht. The other three Irish sides are perfect 4 O's, so, you know, there's only so many spaces. I, I see Connacht have qualified for the European Champion Cup this year, but their first opponent opponent's going to be Stade Francais in the, in the pool rounds. Um, I don't know. Another tall order. I don't know much about the, the French leagues, to be honest, but uh, it just looks like the deck is stacked against the boys from Galway this year. Um, it's too bad. Like I, I've said, I'm rooting for them. And uh, this, as Bill Simmons likes to say, talking about NFL teams, this could be the year from hell for them and a painful one for fans like myself. Okay, and that brings us to the Prem, round five. And Friday night was all right for scrumming, and boy, oh boy, the lead-up, it had me pumped. Sale should be so much better than they've shown us so far. And the comms were mentioning, you know, all the Lions, all the Bakis are back. So full-on crazy-time squads. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a great match. Sadly, Austin Healy is here again. So we can look forward to learning why both teams are, in fact, crap, why they are terrible, and why rugby is a bad sport, and why we probably shouldn't <clears throat> even be watching this game in the first place. Uh, as promised, the game was tight the whole way. Quinns even had a chance to go up by one with a converted try late, but it it never manifested. And even with a missed pen at the death, Sale came away victorious, twenty eight to twenty two. I went into this match thinking it was going to tell us a lot about Sale and Harlequins both, but after watching, I almost felt like the exact opposite. You know, Sale looked a lot better, but still not great. Quinns seemed like they were up for 60 rather than 80 minutes. Anyway, a uh, good result for Sale. A heck of a match to watch. Um, not the cracker I'd hoped for on the Friday night, but good stuff anyway. Uh, I guess technically I'm obliged to mention that Worcester actually played a game. They managed to score three points at home versus Leicester, who dropped 48 in an old-fashioned smackdown. Newcastle in a game that they're probably shocked to discover they won did prevail 13 to five at home against Bristol. Are the bears just completely damaged goods at this stage? Do they need a therapist? Um, wasps lost. <laughs> uh, I, I think I probably snarkily said this, this was an obvious loss for them last week and it was not, it was, it was really close and uh, it was actually kind of disappointing. They couldn't pull it out. So, you know, after the, all the nonsense this week with the Wasps organization sort of fruitlessly asking the governing bodies, is there maybe some kind of ruling we can get against the racist crap that Exeter keep, you know, doing and sort of then doubling down on and tripling down on? And, of course, all the bodies in charge said, uh uh-huh, which was, you know, the most typical thing they possibly could have done. And, of course, the uh, the chief of Exeter, as it were, let us know that there, you know, as far as he's concerned, there's a lot better, bigger things to worry about right now than institutionalized racism. So, I'll obviously looking be looking forward to finding out what those things are. Anyway, I've said it before, and frankly, I didn't get enough credit for this. Johnny Hill looks like a disgraced alchemist who, like, used to work for a king that got beheaded like four years ago. Anyway, quick aside: the prem is really, really good. The quality of play with very few exceptions. It's, it's just top-notch. When you compare it to the other competitions I follow, the, the number of mistakes is minuscule. 
It's tight. They're super organized. That speaks to me of international quality. Anyway, back to the match. The Chiefs just did their usual thing. They were waiting and baiting. To me, they're the Muhammad Ali, you know, just letting their opponent punch himself out and twisting the screws. Oh, and by the way, thanks to everyone who has nominated me for the most overused platitudes of 2021. You know, I think I'm a good candidate. If I get that trophy, believe me, I'm going to share it with every one of you and you can take that to the bank. Anyway, the match turned out to be really compelling. Frankly, the Wasps home crowd were just going bonkers as they got a line out at Exeter's five, only down two with just over a minute and a half, and boom, Thomas Young smashes down to try to make it 2015 after the conversion, going into halftime. Wasps continued to be hard-nosed, and Exeter seemed at times overmatched, at least to me, though there's always that quiet confidence, isn't there? Like, they've, they've been there. They're not worried. So Wasps were down a man, but up 2015 at the Van Halen album. That's a 5150 reference. And they were glad to add a penalty shortly thereafter because, of course, the Chiefs rallied back and made it 23-22 with eight minutes to play. Exeter seemed to have all the momentum, and bang, a Wasp player took a serious knock. Suddenly, it just, it just feels like we've read this script before, but oh my word, that was a long time. It took them to get the poor guy safely off the field. It, it, it kind of looked like an accidental knee to the knockout spot, I think, like right there on the jaw. I mean, I don't know. Not a doctor. Uh, if it was just lights out, I feel like he would have been moving much sooner or so I'd have thought. Anyway, uh, let's move on. As I say, I'm not a doctor and it's not good to speculate about people's injuries as they happen on the field. That, of course, did not do Wasps any favors. The The wind came further out of their sails at that point, And when things were looking dark, they did wear, win a rare sc- uh, scrum penalty in their own territory to turn the tide, but it was not to be. And of course, that was when Chiefs notched a beautiful 50-22. It was the first one I think I've seen them pull this year. The comms were so baffled, it took them almost a full two minutes to realize that that's actually what had happened. Uh, presto, they had a driving mall up close and over, just like they always do. Exeter grind their way back into the lead. And even though there's plenty of time, there's just a collective sense of, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this. And, and by the way, after calling Johnny Hill a disgraced alchemist earlier, by the way, I'm standing by that, uh, I'm sure there's a good, good joke in here somewhere about him making gold out of nothing w- with his try in the corner, but it's late. Uh, it's been a long four days <laughs> with me on my own, and uh, I just don't have it within me to hunt that joke down right now. You know, uh, one one good thing, you know, I was looking at all those empty seats for wasps, and I was thinking, oh, you know, that that's so disappointing for them. They must be really looking forward to a time, you know, when they can finally get fans back in the stadium and have them. In any event, oh my word, Wasps absolutely had the chance to take the lead with about a minute to go, but the line out is not straight and poof. There goes that last minute victory. If Exeter are going to be winning these types of games, these quirky, like rely on the other team to make a dumb mistake at the last moment, if they're going to win those on top of all the games we already know they're going to win just because they're Exeter and they're that good, whew, they're probably going to be in the final. I mean, obviously, again, this is NFL-style reactions. It's week one, and I know who's in the Super Bowl. But come to think of it, you know, a Chiefs-Series final rematch from a couple years ago, that would be pretty sweet. 
A 23 for the home side and 27 for the away was the losing score. And uh, it was hard fought till the end. Good job by you. So then, London Irish and Gloucester, they, they tried and tried and tried to hand each other the win. But, you know, neither team was successful. Uh, I think that's like microcosmically exemplary of their entire seasons. Uh, the match ended up in a 25-all draw with Patty Jackson's sort of febrile attempt at a drop kick somehow, I don't know, it, it perfectly symbolized how everyone involved must have felt at that moment. It's it's how I felt. It was just like, wah, 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 wah. that's two draws for London Irish this year already. Wow. Amazing. Oh, and in a great example of poor planning, we had in the closing match of the round, you know, it should be a good one, right? You want to get everyone excited. There's only the one match left. Want everyone to go out with a bang. They gave us bath at home. At least it wasn't raining, but they were there for the almost fully loaded Saracens. And Jan, what do you know? Saris absolutely demolished them with an awful, unwatchable, palindromic win. It was 17 to <clears throat> 71. Oh my gosh. You know, people like to rag on the URC. Uh, there's some, uh, <laughs> there's some chum in the prem as well. So anyway, that was the rugby, at least from where I sit. And as always, that brings us to our Diamond in the Ruck. And this week, it's got to go to Ollie Engelhart. So in this case, it's not for his work on the pitch, at least right now. It's for his work off of it. So I saw Ollie play for my Free Jacks in the Kara Cup in the year before our inaugural, uh, inaugural season. Gosh, one of these days I'm going to pronounce that word right on the first try. Or maybe the third but he was so much fun to watch. He's, he's a firecracker. He just creates energy. He's got an engine on him. I've seen him out there a few times since then. But, you know, Ollie spends most of his time working sort of behind the scenes. Behind the scenes is a weird way to put it because he's the face of the franchise on game day. Uh, but his contributions, I felt, were worthy of mention. And, of course, the clinching factor is... Ollie has agreed to come onto the pod to talk rugby sometime soon with me, and I just can't wait. Ollie Engelhart, you are this week's Diamond in the Ruck. Okay, of course, we are now come to our previews section, and as always, there will be a lot of action coming up. So first of all, of course, my beloved USA Eagles, they look to make some serious scratch by getting absolutely pummeled by the All Blacks on Saturday. You know, I had a ticket for this game. Circumstances have conspired to keep me at home. It's disappointing. It's been a tough old year or two now, hasn't it? Yes, indeed. Uh, Japan also will be playing for the first time in quite a while. Oh, that's going to be so cool. They will be hosting the Red Hot Wallabies, though it should be a much different affair than we saw in the boringly named Rugby Championship. I'll expect a really exciting match this time. It's going to be fast-paced for sure. And meanwhile... <clears throat> the Super 6 is over, so no more to report there. I will sincerely miss it until it returns. Uh, if, By the way, Scottish Rugby, if you want to put that missing match from Saturday on YouTube, I'm going to watch it. And again, if any of you listeners out there, if you have a way to get me some Super 6 gear, let me know. Like, 
I cannot find any, and I'm not kidding. So the NPC, I have to say, has me utterly baffled at this point. So <clears throat> when you look uh, on your streaming services for the games coming up, you see finals listed for next week, both on Friday. You see a final listed for the premiership. You see a final listed for the championship. And that's all. But the actual NBC website has fixtures listed for every team for several more weeks, not just this weekend. So when I get any kind of clarity, I will pass it on to you. I'm I, I'm desperately trying to get in touch with Bowden Waco, one of my all-time favorite players, who's over there right now. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe he'll be the one to, to shed the light. That would be great. And any Kiwis listening out there, I know there's a couple of you. Drop me a line. Tell me what's going on with that competition. Please, I could use it. So round five of the URC will feature on Friday Glasgow at home to host Leinster. Woo! That likely won't go too well for the Warriors, I'm guessing. And then uh, Scarlet will welcome Benetton to Parky Scarlet's. And don't worry, I, I can sense all of you like desperately trying to claw your phones out of your pockets to try to press the 30-second forward button. Do not worry. I'm not doing my Parky Scarlet's femme fatale joke again. That was a one-time deal. That's it. Don't worry. Then, on Saturday, Zebra are home to face a struggling Edinburgh that might uh, not end up the most attractive match. The way both these sides are playing, that might be like a 6-3 a to three final. Either way, pick them. Cardiff will be at home for a Welsh derby with the Dragons. Connacht are back in Galway for another all-Irish class, this time against Ulster. Ooh, this, you know, this could be the nail in the coffin for them, it, only in week five. Meanwhile, Ospreys will welcome stampeding Munster. I fully expect Munster to keep it rolling in easy fashion. And then, of course, round four of the Prem will have some great matchups, including, by the way, they've gone back to the 1-4-1 format of the sort of weekend schedules. So Friday, four on Saturday, one on Friday, four on Saturday, one on Sunday. And by the way, that's, that's best as far as I'm concerned. That's great. And anyway, on Friday... Northampton will be at home for the different season, same results, Worcester Warriors. On Saturday, the four matches will be, of course, Exeter back at home, hosting London Irish. I think a lot of people thought the, the no-nos were going to be great this year, and it looks like another uh, you know snake-bit year for them. Um, Gloucester will be welcoming Newcastle. I don't know if either team feels welcomed anywhere at this point. Harlequins will be at home for Bath and unbeaten Leinster, uh, sorry, Leicester. I got to stop writing down the abbreviations, especially when two of them, you know, in two different leagues, the abbreviation is L-E-I. And what am I using that for? Anyway, Leicester will face visiting Sale. Sale looks stronger by the day to me almost. And, you know, that is my matchup of the week to be sure. That That's going to be a tasty one. And then on Sunday, of course, Saracens somehow, again, have the last match of the week, this time at home for Wasps, who will be looking to, hopefully for them, get less than 71 points put on them. When you play for the Barbarians, you are a Barbarian. You're, you're not a Frenchman or an Italian. You are a Barbarian and you live by those core values. With this shirt that you're wearing, you've got a reputation to uphold. It's, it's a privilege to be, to be here. Every time I watch the Barbarians, I can say I've played for this amazing club and it's, um, it's very emotional. It's a great opportunity for us to fucking show what we're all about. We 
we get a collective, we get our voice and we go after them. Because these guys are going to try to come at us from the start. It's not, it's not just any old jersey, that, that black and white jersey is incredibly famous and you've got a responsibility to that jersey to go out there and perform. John Williams, Brian Williams, pulling. John Dawes, great dummy. David, Tom David, the halfway line, brilliant by Quinnell. This is Gareth Edwards, a dramatic start. So, let's talk briefly about an even more enigmatic touring squad than the British and Irish Lions, and that is, of course, the Barbarians. And if you're an American looking for good contact sports, you obviously and immediately gravitate towards any sport where anything called Barbarians might be involved. So when I started trying to cobble this little bit together, I led with a bunch of history, before realizing I haven't actually said why Barbarians Rugby is so incredible and why I bothered to mention it in the first place. And that reason is, the Barbarians are awesome. They feature some of the best talent you'll ever see from all over the world. There are a lot of rugby things for which there just isn't an American equivalent, and this thing takes the cake. So, the Barbarians are an invitational rugby club that plays sporadic matches, mostly in the UK. Uh, they play national teams. In a normal year, they tend to play five matches, but, you know, that pace has been scrapped during COVID. In fact, many of you will remember, they were actually scheduled to play, it had been a long time too, they, they were scheduled to play England at Twickenham last October, a year ago. But a bunch of players broke protocol and went out partying, which led to the entire match being canceled. There were a lot of angry people after that, including 30,000 ticket holders who had already seen the match delayed from the previous June. It was estimated this cost England upwards of a million pounds. In any event, as I said, they try to play five times a year in the modern era. This fluctuates, though, wildly, even in non-COVID years. So, for example, in 2016, they played only three matches. They played in London, in Prague, and in Belfast. Fost, yes, in Belfast. Uh, the following year, they played four times, twice in London, once in Limerick, and once in Sydney, Australia, as a surprise destination. In 2018, they only managed two fixtures, both in London, one versus England and one versus Argentina. So in recent years, they've also added women's sides as well. And, you know, at least according to Wikipedia, the women's side has played three times, beating the U.S. and Wales and falling to England. There are also men's and women's barbarians clubs based in other countries, including France, New Zealand, Australia, and South Africa. Barbarian FC is a British rugby union club that played its first match on December 27, 1890. It was the brainchild of William Percy Carpmile, who had played rugby for Cambridge and had gone on a brief tour with the university to play teams in Yorkshire in 1884. So Carpmile loved the experience and the very notion of short tours featuring invitational sides. So he organized some on his own. Um, he began organizing, a, I think it was two or three tours, but the official first Barbarians match was a game against Hartlepool Rovers. The Barbarians came out on top of that one nine to four. So the Barbarians play in black and white hoops. 
though players wear socks from their own club, which is kind of cool. Membership is by invitation, as I've said. As of 2011, players from 31 countries have played for them. Uh, and traditionally, at least one uncapped player is selected for each match. And yes, by the way, yes, I, d- I do know. 2011 was 10 years ago. I get it. But my source is 10 years old. <laughs> I'm sure that number is much higher by now. Um, quick little bit more about the history. Barbarians traditionally played on Good Friday at Penarth in South Wales. That was a fixture that remained in place for 85 years. I love that stuff. And um, according to my source, uh, my week resource source, uh, Penarth is still the spiritual home of the barbarians. I, I guess that's a fact that's hard to, uh, you know, verify or deny. In 1948, the barbarians at the end of their tour, which coincided with the end of an Australian tour of the UK, were invited to play the Wallabies. Uh, this began originally, it was a way to help pay for the passage for the Aussies to get back home because, you know, it was going to be a long boat trip. But this match was such a resounding success that in addition to other fixtures, as I've said, um, I think they still try to play on Good Friday and December 27th to this day. They also like to play a match they call the Final Challenge, which will be a match against whatever Southern Hemisphere team happens to be in the UK for the Autumn Internationals that year. So this year, the men's uh, and women's sides are scheduled to play a doubleheader at Twickenham late next month, November 27th to be exact. It'll be against the South African women's 15s and the Samoa men's, respectively. So the last time the Barbarians faced Samoa was in the lead-up to the 2015 Rugby World Cup. It was a thriller of a match. Barbarians ended up winning at 27-24 at Olympic Stadium in London. (laughs) In a a humorous detail, i got to say, so both of the upcoming matches, despite being more than a month away, are already listed by Wikipedia as losses for the Barbarians. I wonder who's on the uh, other side of that switch. Despite the fact that they haven't even announced a full squad yet, over 35,000 tickets have already been sold for these November tests. What a day that's going to be. BB? What a day that's going to be. Currently, Dave Rennie, who's the head coach for the Wallabies, is also coach for the Barbarians. And, man, he must be like a kid staring at all his, all, all his new toys after a particularly lucrative birthday. He's got some of his own favorites from Australia. He gets some of the best players from South Africa. He's got this whole hodgepodge of people like this rugby soup to pick from. Uh, in addition to Australian stars Quade Cooper, Len Ikatow, Nick White, and Pete Samu, it was recently announced that Stephen Kitsoff and France Malherber will join fellow Springboks Malcolm Marks and Dwayne Vermeulen for the November test. Oh, what a side. In any event, Barbarians Rugby is a spectacular and wholly unique story in rugby. I urge you strongly to seek out any matches you can find, especially this coming November. For me, it's the memories you make off the pitch. Of course, it's very important that you put in a great performance on, on weekends, but it's the beauty about Barbarians is the people. The longer I played the game, the less important rugby became, but the more important the people became. And if you cherish those moments, uh, even now sitting here at 38, either you forget the games, but you do remember the people. Every guy that's worn the shirt, thank you for the memories. So it's memories that will last forever with me, and um, that's one thing nobody can take away from me, ever. <laughs>
Whoa, man, oh man, that definitely does it for this week. Thank you so much for coming along, for all your support, for sharing your ideas, and hint, hint, for leaving me a nice review whenever you get your podcast, wherever you get your podcast. As always, please reach out to me with your questions and ideas. I am at of Scrum. I can be emailed via the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. I swear to God, I'm going to get on top of my Instagram soon. Scrum of the, the Scrum of the Earth, all one word, is how you can find me there. Um, whatever you want to do, just get in touch. Hearing from you is my favorite part of this whole deal, and it's been so much fun. As I've mentioned, uh, I just hit a thousand listens, and I just, I don't know why, I'm beyond tickled about that. It's a, it's a super cool thing. I'm very proud. I'm very happy. And uh, thank you guys all for making it happen. It's been super cool. Anyway, thank you all for listening all over the world. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And... Be well.